Whether in the media, our government, or our schools, Christianity faces tremendous intellectual persecution. This program stands on the intellectual front lines. With disarming honesty, we engage the most difficult issues facing Christians today. I want to welcome you to Theology Unplugged, the radio outreach of Credo House Ministries in Edmond, Oklahoma. We sit down over lattes at the Credo House coffee shop and just talk theology. I'm Michael Patton, president of Credo House Ministries. I'll be leading the discussion along with Tim Kimberly, director of ministries for Frontline Church Edmond, Sam Storms, lead pastor of Bridgeway Church, and finally J.J. Side, pastor of community and discipleship at Bridgeway Church. Welcome, friends, to Theology Unplugged. We are in studio at Credo House and being joined by another special guest, although you've heard her a couple of times recently. It is Carrie Hunter. Hello. Carrie? Hello. Say, don't don't be shy. Don't be shy like you were Assert last time. Assert yourself, Carrie. Assert. Express. You you are here. You have opine, made a seat of the declare. table. Hello. You have made a seat at the table for a reason. That's right. We're glad you're here. Thank and you. It, and it's it, the reason. It's you know, the reason here. ultimately is with my boss God, and my pastor. God wants you to be here. Yes, that's true. So he has something to say. Michael, I do have one question though. Since we are at the Credo House yeah. and we want people to come and visit, you got to tell them what it is that you're drinking there because it looks intriguing. Well, this is a pour over. This is when if you go to our website and see all of our good rating, um, this is a iced. Is it an iced pour over, Carrie? Uh, did you did you do the cold brew? Yeah. So that would you could that would just be an iced coffee. Okay, iced coffee. Get the iced coffee. It's actually the strongest drink. If you were to buy get full drinks and you wanted the most caffeine early in the morning. Whether it is hot or cold, get the cold brew. The cold brew. Bottom line, folks, these people are experts. We are. Carrie is. They are experts. They know what what to serve up. Yes, thank you. So come to Credo House. Hey, also, we need you to uh, respond to us at theologyunplugged at credohouse.org. We need you to because that's the only way for us to get feedback. We don't get feedback through telephone calls. We don't give the, the phone number out. We get people who come in here and talk about the program. But we know that there are thousands and thousands of people all over the world. Just got a, a text from a guy in England that is a follower of Sam and follows the podcast because of that and is possibly putting this program on on many stations in England, alongside R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, Chuck Swindoll, really good. Who are those guys? (laughs) Not BBC Four. (laughs) Yeah, because what I asked him, as I said, I said, are we your only Yanks that will be on the program? And he goes off on a big list. Adrian Rogers. Yank after yank after yank. Basically, the bot radio. Although re- although Adrian is now in the presence of the Lord, he's yeah, still and, being broadcast in England. And and Jay, Adrian Jay Vernon McGee. is from the south. Oh, he would take exception to be calling to be called a yank. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, guys. I want to talk about something a little bit different here. Just a one time of. I think it's going to be a one time of. But I want to talk about 
the issue of going to seminary and the necessity or non-necessity of going to seminary. It is our fourth ranked blog as far as visited traffic consistently. And I wrote this in 2008. So it still gets over a thousand brand new viewers a day looking at this, trying to figure out, should I go to seminary? What are the questions I need to ask about going to seminary? And the main thing is, do people, I guess the broader thing is questions to ask while going to seminary. What, how can we advise people, Sam, you and I in particular, who have been to seminary, how can we advise people in asking questions about whether to go to seminary or not? Not to leave you out because mm, that's fine. There, there's there's things that you could say. Well, here's what I would ask mm-hmm. because you've <laughs> thought about going to seminary before. I have. Uh, and my particular question is this: Do you need seminary or formal education in order to be a minister of God? My opinion is there's no one-size-fits-all answer to that. It, 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 it literally is, a, um, I think, a case-by-case basis because I have known individuals who know more of the Bible in their little finger than most seminary professors do in their brains, uh, individuals who are uh, self-taught, who are highly motivated, who read voraciously, uh, who have taught themselves the biblical languages, who are articulate communicators, and they've never even visited the campus of a seminary. There are individuals who are, uh, for whom that question is, no, they don't need it. They're, but then for others, um, it is, it's essential. For others, they find it absolutely crucial to their development. So um, I, I think we almost have to say it, you know, it's not an answer anybody wants to hear, but it depends. It depends on the individual. It depends on the need. It depends on... You know, I have a friend, I won't mention his name, who um, he has, he graduated from high school. He had one semester um, at the University of Missouri, and then he dropped out. And he, he knows more scripture at the drop of a hat than anybody I know. He has read more widely than most seminary graduates could ever dream of. He's an incredibly articulate preacher. So in his case, uh, I would say no. I think seminary probably would have been a waste of time and money for him. But for others... Uh, it's absolutely crucial. Okay. Um, we have Clint Black in studio. Clint Black, <laughs> as you know, you've probably heard the name Clint Black in many other Walk ways. Walk a mile in my shoes. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm afraid I'm, I'm not a Clint I'm Black I'm leaving here a better man. Do that one. <clears throat> Hold on. Let me do some throat exercises first to prepare for this. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> you know I'm not up for it. You want me to do it for you? Yeah. No. Does he really do Clint Black impressions? No, yeah. okay. but, but I do. No, well, no. let's get back it's, to the topic no, yes. at hand. I'm no. leaving no. So, here, a better man. Folks, Should pastors who think they sing, can sing go to vocal school? Carrie, Seriously. Carrie, yes. Rain him in, please. Well, <clears throat> it sounds to me like what Sam's saying about that um, is that, you know, it... It for some people, if they went to seminary, that might be inhibiting because uh, they, you know, well, not to say, interpret you that way, Sam, but that they they can learn just as well independently than you know um, 
than if they were in a seminary setting. But I think the key here is that education is a factor. And maybe that's kind of the root of it is like, um, should pastors actually pursue a rigorous education? Um, because oftentimes you do encounter that to where people think that they don't need to do that. They don't need to study uh, even the languages. Uh, you can find that that they just have the Bible and that's good enough. So well, maybe had, that's a you, factor you that no could be addressed. You had no formal theological training outside of the theology program. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this. If you had not had the theology program, what would be different? Um, well, there... My my, she would have been a heretic by now. My well, <laughs> certifiable. B- well, just because because my interest before the theology program, before I encountered that, was apologetics. That would have been my emphasis, and I'm. There's a good possibility I would have just continued wading in the deep waters of apologetics without uh, any kind of theological training. And once I did receive that training, it 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 kind of, it all came together. You know, it provided this solid foundation for my apologetic. Um, and Because you and knew what to defend I now. knew not only, yeah, I wasn't just, I wasn't accurately defending the faith, uh, or I was accurately giving an accurate defense of the faith with good arguments and all of that and true and sound arguments, but I wasn't necessarily defending an accurate faith. I wasn't established in just the basics of the Christian faith. Um, and that's definitely what just that amount of training served to do. It grounded me. And then from there, I pursued other interests, other areas of theology, like taking the theology program. Um, I decided to pursue other areas that, that piqued my interest, soteriology yeah. being so, chief of yeah. them. So. so let's be clear. We're not, uh, maybe I don't think you're suggesting this, Michael. Well, I'm not suggesting that it's not important for pastors and church leaders to be educated. I think they should. Um, I don't think ignorance will get anybody anywhere. Uh, unfortunately, there are some people in the church who actually would say that um, education is a hindrance. Right. Uh, they say that you just kind of need to spontaneously go with the flow of the Spirit and uh, speak whatever uh, lands in your heart. And uh, if you actually um, um, read widely, you're going to corrupt your mind. You're going to corrupt the Spirit. And uh, I just want to go on record as saying I, I don't... Whereas I suppose that is possible, there are always cases where that might be true, that education is essential. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is essential for effective ministry. Now, whether or not formal education in a graduate school that is accredited by the United States Department of Education and that charges you five or $600 a credit hour, that's another matter entirely. <laughs> Clint. When Sam preaches, all that matters is that he has his DHG Doctor in the Holy Ghost, <laughs> which I think I actually heard uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland saying one time. Well, that's oh, not very good. I'm oh, sorry. We're just <laughs> taking a new turn in the theology and, unplugged program. And somehow I didn't even flinch when you said Kenneth Copeland. the first time Kenneth Copeland's name has ever been dropped on this program. <laughs> well, I and tell you we what. trust it will be the last. Last, yes. Well, speaking of impressions, just for you, I can no, do the whole rest of the podcast doing Kenneth Copeland's voice. No. By the way, Clint is a special guest over from Apologetics Unplugged, and you can check out Apologetics Unplugged just in your iTunes, and you will hear him, and he is in a different form than he is even now. So It's good stuff. Listen I'm at a, your own risk. I'm a woman. Oh, no. <laughs> he identifies as such. Well, g- gender fluidity. <laughs> All right, look, 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 come on. Let me, let me just bring this back. Michael, 
you went to Dallas Theological Seminary. Are you glad you did? What were the benefits of it? I mean, there are people listening to our program who are contemplating going to, to graduate school. Would you do it again? What were the what were the pluses? What were the minuses? What, what was your experience? Well, whenever right before I went to Dallas Seminary, I was at I, I was I was in a discussion with a guy who was going in the exact same direction as me. He was excited. He wanted to share the gospel, and he wanted to share the gospel now. He did not want to wait four years in seminary, although not all seminaries are four years. Dallas was. He did not want to wait four years in seminary to get this going. After going through seminary, and as I have seen people who have not been through seminary, I find, here, here's a general characteristic, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, okay? But I find, generally speaking, people who have not formed a, a serious, and, and I, here, here's another thing, on campus, that's how strict I'm going to go here, on-campus engagement in seminary and have not just done the online version uh, are much more disciplined, much more humble, and much more able to articulate their faith with honesty and effectiveness than those people who are otherwise. And the reason for this is because what you do is you gain your education. Maybe, maybe say you go, you've been through 30 years of theology. You already know what you know, and then you go to seminary, and you're just there correcting the professors because you've studied for so long, and you, you know everything. Or you don't go to seminary, and here's what I've seen. And I'm not going to name any names, but there is a very r- popular radio broadcaster out there that never did go through any formal type of seminary training. Just one? (laughs) Well, this guy in particular, and he is arrogant, and he does not uh, deal with things in an honest way. He builds straw men about everything, because one of the things that I got whenever I was in seminary was I got massive beatdowns. And I think that those are absolutely necessary yeah, for somebody. Of your experience on theology unplugged, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody that is above you that will say what you have to say that will give you an F. Now, if you go to seminary and you get all A's, that's not seminary to me, uh, unless you're really legitimately getting all A's, like like Sam Storms got. But whenever you go through and you legitimately get all A's. Uh, fine, but you need an F, and you need to be told why you got an F. You need to go to preaching school, and whatever in the preaching department, they say, listen, you really sucked because you you, you were all over the place with the text. You had no focus. Here's the focus you've got to stick with. Here's the central point you've got to get back mm-hmm. to. It's not about whether you're a good speaker and everybody's saying you're a good speaker. It's We've got certain things. We have been doing seminary for a long time. We know how to train people, and I know not all seminaries are this way. But DTS can say that because they have some wonderful pastors. In the exegetical so department, which I feared more than anything else, and I don't know if you feared this more than anything else, but doing an exegetical was the scariest thing, especially whenever you were under Dan Wallace 
because you would get ripped to shreds and you would not get the grade you think you're supposed to get. And it was all legitimate criticism. And in the end, you had to correct yourself and you had to humble yourself. And unless you've come out of there beat down enough, Mm -hmm. and what I find that people who don't go to seminary or do not have formal education, I'm not saying everybody has that available. So that's a different exception. But if you have it available, go. You know who graded Dan Wallace's very first textual criticism paper did in, you beat in him Dallas down? Seminary? I did. <laughs> no, I was absolutely terrified and overwhelmed by it. How can that be true, being so young as you are? I was the, uh, nice. the grader and the teaching assistant for uh, Dr. John Grasmick, and I can still remember getting the, uh, these textual criticism papers, and they were all pretty pathetic until the one that I opened up, and I'd never seen anything like it. My life. I went back to Dr. Grasmick. I said, I have no capacity whatsoever to, to grade this guy's paper. It was Dan Wallace. So uh, <laughs> Dan was about uh, two years behind me at Dallas. He's going to do big things. Uh, yeah. In fact, Dan is actually uh, in Athens as we speak, mm-hmm. uh, photographing uh, Greek manuscripts. Uh, and it was for, all to your yeah, to, Due to me. That's right. I sparked him. I motivated him. Uh, I gave him an F on the... No. Um, <laughs> and uh, there he is. You know, here's another thing. Uh, when people contemplate seminary, uh, the, the, it's a different world today. Just in terms of uh, the cost. When I started Dallas Seminary, <clears throat> it was $30 a semester hour. $30. I think most seminaries now are somewhere between five and $600 a credit hour. And it's almost made it prohibitive where people can't go to seminary, uh, which is tragic. But, you know, I look at my experience at Dallas, and I'm very glad that I went. Um, I don't know that I would have ever um, been able to, to uh, study and uh, grasp Greek and Hebrew the way that I did if I hadn't been at Dallas, mm-hmm. if I hadn't had the forced discipline of, of class and memorization so I was very grateful for that. I also agree, Michael, the, the experience of being on campus, sitting for hours over a meal or after class, dialoguing with fellow students who've gone through, um, who are going through transformation in terms of their thinking, the forming of their theological perspectives was invaluable. The one thing that I look back, and I know Dallas has made some changes, and I know other seminaries, we're not just focusing on Dallas, but other seminaries are very good at this. Unfortunately, the training in the practical dimensions of being a local church pastor were very, very weak uh, when I was there. Um, so I know they've made some adjustments since then, and other seminaries do a lot more in terms of training. But sometimes uh, the issues that come up in pastoral ministry, you just have to experience them. you got to jump into the deep end of the sure. pool and learn how to tread water. Well, I remember Audrey Malfers who said that while I was there in 2001. Uh, my last semester, and he said that exact thing. He said, you will learn how to interpret the Bible. You will learn how to critique. You will learn how to learn Hebrew and Greek and the original languages, but you will learn very little on how to deal with these individual Mm -hmm. issues. But what did you say? Most of those have to be lived and learned. Just through immersion, Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, just getting back uh, to this question of whether all should go to seminary, I'll just give you one concrete example. Again, I won't mention names. There was a a church here in Oklahoma um, that was looking for a pastor, and I know this church and I know the leader, so I recommended an individual to them. He um, has his college degree, but he never went to seminary. He's a superb preacher, an expert theologian, a great thinker, loves the Word of God, 
uh, incredible pastoral interpersonal skills. Uh, but they were determined to hire someone with a lot of letters after his name. And so um, the individual they eventually hired had not only been to seminary, but he also had, I think, a, a doctor of ministry degree. And I told them, I said, you're going to regret this decision. I said, it's not this man you're looking at is a bad person, but you are putting more weight on the fact that he has a graduate education than you are the actual skills and pastoral giftings and theological insights uh, that this other individual has. And sure enough, it's been a couple of years since they made that decision, and I think they regret it. A lot of churches see it as a status thing. You know, our guy, they put, they put his name on the marquee. They want to put letters after it. Mm-hmm. I went to seminary at not DTS, but close enough, right down the road, right down there at Southwestern. And I have to say, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. But that's not, it's my thing. I mean, I thought, this is great. I got scores of people. We sit around, we debate, we talk about this stuff, and I ate it up. But to me, sort of like you were saying earlier, in a perfect world, we would have a whole lot of totally competent autodidacts. That's for you, Carrie. She likes big words. A bunch of people who could, sort of like some people used to do back in the old days, they really would train themselves. I mean, it would be there. And then if they do it, who cares what if it's institutionalized? But that's hard. So to me, and I see this in higher education across the board, mm-hmm. what it really does for people, I think, if, if they get the most out of it, is besides just what you learned there, the con- content-wise, it's sort of like they teach people how to learn, mm-hmm. where to go to learn, how to make it a habit. But really, I always tell people, if this isn't a lifelong process, you're going to forget all this anyway. You know what I mean? To me, if you ask me, what did you really learn in seminary that you remembered? I could probably, if I thought about it, name a select few things and a lot of facts and stuff. But I, it's, it's kind of what stuck with me is I know how to learn. I know mm. how to teach myself. I know where to go, where are the resources. And develop those habits, habits too. And not to be intimidated by it. Yeah. And I, I would just say also to, to, to those who are listening and perhaps they cannot afford to go to seminary. Um, one of the things you should do is you need to find a mentor. You need to find somebody, whether it's a local church pastor or somebody who has been formally educated that you can study under. Let them direct your thinking in the direction uh, of your uh, educational experience. So uh, again, we just want to make sure we're not suggesting that it's uh, absolutely essential that you go to seminary. Um, It's great if you can and you can afford it, and there are numerous seminaries that we could recommend. Um, But uh, we do urgently, at least I do, I don't know if I'm speaking for the rest of you, urgently uh, exhort and encourage people to pursue education. Yes. If it's self-promoted, self-initiated, Absolutely. or under the direction of somebody uh, who's, uh, who's well-educated, but by all means, um, immerse yourself and educate yourself in the Word of God. We hope you've enjoyed today's broadcast. If it's blessed you, they'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to join the group again next week for another edition of Theology Unplugged. Theology Unplugged is a listener-supported ministry of the Credo House. They're a theological hub and coffee shop, and their address is 109 Northwest 142nd Street in Edmond, Oklahoma, 73013. They're open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., and Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Please consider this your official invitation. You're invited to come and visit the Credo House and discuss today's program or take a tour of the theologically rich surroundings. 
You might also enjoy one of their signature drinks like a Luther Latte or a Nicene Mocha. In fact, if it's your first time in the Credo House and you mentioned that you heard their program on Bot Radio Network, you can have the drink of your choice for free. For more information or to support this ministry, visit credohouse.org.